of LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you. By the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening, one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. Broadcasting tonight live from the LMC Radio Repeater. That's right. Tonight we are actually at the radio repeater. There is a lot of work going on back at the studio. And I'll explain. We are here at the repeater because as of tonight, you may, if you're a longtime listener, detected that the sound quality of the show has improved some. It is because The Now You Know Show is now broadcasting in high fidelity. That's right. No joke. 100% serious. You are listening to my voice right now in high fidelity. 
And that means you'll also be listening soon, it is our hope, to all the shows on the LMC Radio Network in high fidelity. But that is still to come. So because they're busy working that all out back at the studio, Johnny and I alone had to drive out in Johnny's pickup out here to the middle of nowhere to the radio repeater. And we're in a, oh, I would say it's no bigger than a 15 by 15 room with a hell of a lot of equipment. It's as hot as an oven here. Uh, so you've got to know that, uh, you know, we're, we're just sweating and baking out here. But that's the cost of you being able to hear everything now in high fidelity, 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 fidelity. So as for what's been going on around here this week, not wanting to step on to the toes of our fantastic sister show here on the LMC Radio Network in the streets with Beverly Smith, but it still needs to be brought up because this is a very much at-home issue, although it is also a national issue. Uh, we are all reeling still from the death of Sandra Bland. Now, Sandra Bland, Ms. Bland, came down to Texas uh, to start a new job in and around the area of her alma mater, uh, A&M. And she was arrested Friday in Wallace County. The story is still unclear, but what we're being told is that she was stopped and taken out of her car by police because she did not have a working turn signal. Have any of you, any of you ever been pulled out of your car? because you didn't turn your turn signal on. Listen, I've lived in Texas for a long time, and I gotta tell you, most of the time that I'm out on the streets driving with my wife, uh, as far as I can tell, the turn signal is that little, that little post you hang your keys on. No one uses it, all right? Not no one, but it's absolutely ridiculous. And the police took her out of her car, they threw her down onto the sidewalk, they hit her head, they put her, their knees on her back and in her neck, and basically they they assaulted her and they took her to jail and she was supposedly released monday morning uh, but when they went to go check on her she was found hanging uh, and they are now saying that she hung herself this is a young woman with a career ahead of her a good education uh all of her friends, neighbors, and relatives described her as being completely upbeat, and uh, she was uh, taken in and then on Friday and then found dead Monday morning. And certainly, you know, this might have nothing to do with the fact that the police chief of uh, Wallace County was fired in 2007 from being police chief of Hampstead, Texas. And why was he fired, folks? Well, he was fired for numerous and sundry cases 
documented cases of racism. So we're just going to have to wait and see. So now we have another name, Sandra Bland, to add to the ever-growing list of names until the blood seems to gather no longer at her ankles, but somewhere around mid-thigh. And again, like I said, we're not trying to step in on In the Streets with Beverly Smith, and you should listen to that show. I'm sure she's going to be talking about this. It's an excellent show. It's going to keep you informed about what's going on in this country, and I encourage each and every one of you to read it. On a similar vein, uh, last week we were sent an anonymous letter here on the show asking people to light a brown candle for justice for our African-American brothers and sisters here in America yesterday, Wednesday the 15th, and many people did it. I saw posts on Facebook. I saw beautiful pictures of people doing their work, and we want to send out our gracious thanks to everyone that did that. So, Wink is not here. Patchy Fog is not here. No one's here but me and Johnny, because we're in the radio repeater. It's about, I would guess, somewhere between 2,000 and 6,000 degrees Kelvin here in this concrete block out in the middle of the country. We're not even in a town, man. And this, this, this is like, we're nowhere. Okay, we had to drive out here in Johnny's pickup. So it's just me and Johnny tonight, folks. So uh, enjoy. Uh, I would normally send you across the hall to the LMC radio newsroom, but that's back in town, baby. It's just me and Johnny, but, but it's me and Johnny in high fidelity. <laughs> I hope you can hear it. I really do. I'm serious. This is, this is serious. We actually did switch to high fidelity today. And soon, all of the shows on the LMC Radio Network hopefully will be switching to high fidelity as well. Well, without further ado, the news. Good evening. Today is Thursday, July 16th, the 197th day of 2015. Our 69 days until autumn begins, and 168 days left in the year. Today is an inauspicious day for activities. However, tomorrow will be an auspicious day to prune, to encourage growth, and to start new projects. Once again, today is an inauspicious day for activities, but tomorrow will be an auspicious day to prune, to encourage growth, and to start new projects. Today is World Day for International Justice, which promotes awareness of the international criminal justice system and commemorates the creation of the International Criminal Court. Today's highlights in history comes to us from July 16, 1945 when the United States of America exploded its first experimental atomic bomb in the desert of Alamogordo, New Mexico. Also on this date, in 1790, a site along the Potomac River was designated the permanent seat 
of the United States government. Later, the area became Washington, D.C. In 1912, New York gambler Herman Rothschild, excuse me, not wink, I make mistakes, New York gambler Herman Rosenthal, set to testify before a grand jury about police corruption, was gunned down by members of the Lenox Avenue gang. In 1935, the first parking meters were installed in Oklahoma City. In 1951, the novel The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger was first published by Little, Brown, and Company. And in 1980, former Governor, California Governor Ronald Reagan won the Republican presidential nomination at the party's convention in Detroit. Today's birthday wishes go out to former Attorney General Dick Thornburg, who is 83. Soul singer Denise LaSalle is 81. Soul singer William Bell, 76. Violinist Pinchas Zuckerman, 67. Rock composer-musician Stuart Copeland, 63. Actress Phoebe Cates is 52. Actor-comedian Will Ferrell, 48. Actor Jonathan Adams is 48. Actress Ryan Pryor, 46. Actor Corey Feldman, 44. Rock singer Ryan McCombs of Drowning Pool is also 41. Actress Jemiah Mays, 36. Actress Anna Lynn McCord, 28. And actor-singer James Maslow, 25. Our thought for the day comes from Jorge Luis Borjas, Argentinian Arthur, born 1899, died 1986, who said, any life, however long and complicated it may be, actually consists of a single moment, the moment when a man knows forever more who he is. That's been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom uh, Annex here at the Radio Repeater. And we now send you over to me with the lucky numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers gonna show for you and me. Superstitions, or even makes me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me That's mommy. Yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trust in group of dust. Cause you know some may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you'll be in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes. And that was, of course, the Nicholas Brothers. Now in high fidelity. But... You do not need to just put your trust in goofer dust. And why would someone put their trust in goofer dust? Well, to get work done. But we have the lucky numbers for you. And this week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 14, 23, 28, 34, 44, 
and 49. Once again, this week's lucky numbers are 14, 23, 28, 34, 44, and 49. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 212, that's 212, 576, that's 576. And once again, I've got to tell you, I've got a really good feel about this one. This one came in hot. 888. That's 888. The card of the week is the Seven of Clubs. Too many irons in the fire, overwork, exhaustion, and chaos. Progressing from last week's Four of Clubs, we see last week's stability and solidness now moving towards a chaotic situation in which one is overtaxed and doing too many things at once. This is a week to stop old projects, see how they may have gotten out of control, stop trying to do everything at once, and set up orderly plans and organization to help one from being overburdened by work. This is a week to avoid procrastination and excess. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know Show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, we're going to go to the professor's pontification, and we're going to try not to get too bogged down in the Justice Blues.
Oh, yes, that was Clarence Gatemouth Brown with the Justice Blues. And that leads us in to tonight's Professor's Pontification. Justice, or do you only swing with one hand? Tonight we'll be talking about a rather hot topic. And it's going to be around the idea of doing a certain kind of work or works. Some people call this heavy work. Some people call it uh, hot work. Some people call it the left hand path. Some people call it darker work. Some people call it witchcraft. Now, before we get too much further on that, let me say that I in no way am trying to offend anyone who is, quote, a witch or who practices witchcraft. Uh, however, they may define that, but primarily being defined as a original or primitive or older form of Indo-European magical practice. It's just what people call it sometimes. You've got to think about the source. You've got to think about where it's coming from. Now, there's a lot of brouhaha, and there's a pun in there, about this topic. There's a lot of hemming and hawing about this, and I'm going to make some enemies right now by calling something out, by saying what is what is. And that is this. A lot of this fuss and bluster we hear today about, oh, you shouldn't do curse words. Oh, you shouldn't do this kind of work, that kind of work. Oh, you shouldn't try to compel or dominate. Oh, you should never, ever try and send somebody to the graveyard. Well, a lot of this comes from the influence in the hoodoo root work and conjure community from other practices. Primarily, they fall under the broad general umbrella of neo-pagan practices. This has come in. We hear a lot nowadays about the threefold law. We hear a lot nowadays about karma. And there's a lot of tutting and a lot of clung, cl tongue clucking. It's really hot here, folks. Seriously, this, this, this room's like, like I said, it's like 50 by 15. We've got equipment everywhere. Really hot. A lot of this comes out of other people's practices that they've brought along 
with them into Hoover. And it's fine and dandy, just like candy, for them. All right? If they want to do it, that's their business. They, as Miss Cat said, now I'm gonna start, I'm gonna sound like I'm gonna sound like the Hoodoo Root Work Hour for a moment here. There, there is no Hoodoo Pope. There is no Hoodoo Police. And I, in no way, am trying to set myself up as the Hoodoo Police. If people want to believe, to actualize, to use, to be guided by, to be held sway under a concept of the threefold law of return, uh, whatever, that's their business. However, ah, you knew there was going to be a however. Is it hoodoo? No. No, it is not hoodoo. It has nothing to do with hoodoo. Does it belong in hoodoo? Well, in what sense? Meaning, do those people belong in hoodoo? That's not for me to say. If they're honest, ethical, intelligent, well-trained individuals, then who am I to say they belong in hoodoo? But do I personally, me personally, just me, just little old me, not speaking for the community. I'm not, I'm no, I'm nobody to speak for the community. I'm just a guy. Do I, as a guy, believe that it has a place in hoodoo? No, it does not have a place in hoodoo. And I'm gonna go further. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna snatch some wigs and I'm gonna burn some hats on this one. I can hear them sharpening knives in the distance. Not only does it not belong in hoodoo, root work, and conjure, but it comes out of a place and from a position of privilege. Now, in case you missed it, I'll say it one more time. This idea that has been brought in to our community of don't common people, don't knock people down, don't take a swing at people, don't, don't curse people, don't jinx people. Oh my God, certainly don't take people to the graveyard. Comes out of a place of privilege. Out of a place of fucking privilege. Or, I'll allow for this, out of a position of ignorance. Ignorance of the history of voodoo. Ignorance out of the history of this country and how this country treated those people who are the originators of hoodoo, who were brought in chains as slaves, out of the position of how those people whose admixtures went in to hoodoo, Native Americans, Jews, the poor, and it does not take that into account. It comes out of a place of privilege. Now, wait a minute, Professor Porfield, what about Lady Harding's workers? Okay, 
yes, there are lady-hearted workers. Absolutely. There are workers of every stripe. And there are lady-hearted workers. There are, and they're not all women, there are workers who will not touch curse work, will not touch jinx work, will not do overt compelling and domination, certainly will not try to take anybody to the graveyard. Absolutely. How is it different? It is different in that they are publicly making a personal choice. They are doing it for a number of reasons. Many of them because they are what we would have described when I was coming up as church ladies. They do not believe that it is within the proper context of their spiritual belief. But they are not running around saying you mustn't to all the other practitioners. They are saying, I won't. A justified worker, of which I happen to be one, will not take every case. And will say, I will not engage in that curse work, jinx work, compelling work, domination work, killing trick, because it is not justified. Because it is not justified. But I'm not telling everybody, you have to operate like me. I'm saying, that's how I operate. I'll give you an example. There are workers who religiously, I do not mean by that devotedly, I mean for religious reasons, engage in animal sacrifice. Okay. Good for them. I will not. Because I don't believe it's justified. But I don't go tell them not to. I don't go over and try to tell them how they should conduct their spirituality. I say for myself, I will not. That chicken's not done shit to me. You know, I mean, me and that chicken were fine. He didn't try to kill my kids or anything. You know, I don't give you know, no big deal. You know. If a dog attacked me, I'd fight with every fiber of my being. And if that meant the dog ended up dead, then the dog ended up dead. Okay? But I'm not going to go kill a dog. Just because, yeah, he was killed up. Nor am I saying that those who engage in religious animal sacrifice are killing in a casual or blasé manner. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that this creep kind of paralysis against certain kinds of work has no place in hoodoo and more importantly out of a place of privilege oh my god why would you ever dominate somebody have you read your history about what happens to black folk in this goddamn country hey if you haven't read your history have you Listen to the goddamn news lately about what happens to black folk in this country? Are you paying attention? Do you think that justice in our 
country is perfect and always has been? Do you honestly believe that black folks in this country, particularly in the past, could even get a goddamn lawyer? Could be properly represented in court by all white juries who were supposedly their peers, but they you know, we all knew damn well there was no way they were getting off as anything but guilty. So you see, this comes out of a place of privilege. It comes out of that oh-so-high and white attitude. It says, I don't need it. I won't do it. It's wrong. Now, by the same token, I will not stand here in the sweltering heat and say to you that there is nothing akin to this in the normal structure of hoodoo. Of course there is. Of course there is. And what it is, is this. As you sow, so shall you reap. If you sow the wind, you shall reap the whirlwind. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is part of the basis of the cultural framework of hoodoo, conjure, and root work here in the United States, where we are, part of what it is. Am I telling you all that you all need to be cursing, you all need to be jinxing, you all need to be doing heavy, hot, dark, quote-unquote, dark work? No, I am not saying that. Am I telling you all to just forget, let he who is without sin cast the first stone? Am I asking you all to forget, judge not, lest ye be judged? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you cannot take an apple out of its skin without cutting into that skin, without cutting it away, without damaging it, without changing it, without altering it. And when you start to bring in the threefold law of return, or some people say it comes back threefold, some people say it comes back ninefold, I've even heard somebody say 13 times. When you start bringing in something else from some other place, you're altering what you're doing. Am I therefore saying that hoodoo should be kept under glass, that it's a museum piece, that it should exist in a, a static stasis and never change? Of course not. Don't be ridiculous. Who do changes? Who do grows? It grows by admixture. It grows by addition. It grows by absorption. It grows by many, many, many different things. But when you take a core tenant of a separate belief, like the threefold law, and you try to inject, insert that core tenant into a wholly different practice, then it changes. 
then you've altered it. Then you've twisted it around. You've gotten it confused. You're trying to make it into something else. Suddenly, we have to go through the metaphorical shelves of our practice with a dustbin and start pulling off all sorts of things. Out goes the goofer dust. Out goes the graveyard dirt. Oh, sure, we could use the graveyard dirt for appropriate things like, like calling on uh, your ancestors. But since you're purchasing graveyard dirt, necessarily in this case, rather than getting your own, oh, well, you know, it becomes real questionable. And what if you got criminals? Or, you know, what if you did this? Or what? It's best just to drop the graveyard dirt into the dustbin as well. Well, uh, the compelling incense, the compelling oil, the domination, I dominate my man, I dominate my woman, that's got to come off. In fact, in fact, if we're going to start with this, if we're going to take this wholeheartedly to our breasts like an asp, we might as well get rid of all that love work. I mean, we might as well. You might as well get rid of all that love work. Because what are you doing? You're dominating someone. You're compelling someone. You're altering someone's attitude. You're making someone love someone else. You're making someone succumb to the amorous designs of someone else. Well, hey, man, let's just call that rape and throw it in the dustbin. In fact, while we're at it, by the time we're done, why are we even doing magic? It's all against somebody's will. We're trying to make nature conform to will. We're trying to alter what is. We better just stop the whole goddamn practice. We better just sit and meditate on the pure life. We may as well just go and put all our faith in what the hell ever and hope it all works out. Thus endeth hoodoo. It's gone. It's over. Now we can all chant. Now we can all count our beads. Now we can all do yoga. I don't know what we can do anymore. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with chanting or doing yoga or, or counting beads. But we sure as hell aren't going to be doing hoodoo anymore. Am I therefore saying that hoodoo is inherently dark and inherently forceful and inherently this and that. No, I'm not saying any of that. There's a lot of beautiful, kind, healing, generous, loving, community-based, community-protecting work inside hoodoo, as well as healing, cleansing, but is there also a lot of jinxing, cursing, hot-footing, goofering, etc.? Yeah, of course. You got to understand how your right hand works and how your left hand works. You've got to be able to make two fists or hold out two hands. And when we start to get into these ridiculous suggestions pretty soon here comes another one this is another one that comes in 
from outside. And that is, Oh, you should never, ever, 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 ever charge money for your work. You should never, ever get paid for the work. Oh, so now you shouldn't get paid for the work. And if you ask for money, you're wrong. You're an exploiter. You're a charlatan. You're a snake oil salesman. You're any other list of things because you, strangely enough, like the plumber and the bricklayer and the doctor and the lawyer and the car mechanic asked to be paid for your work, services, and goods. How odd. And while we're at it, we're going to have to get rid of all of those people, all those people who believe in an exchange for magical goods, who in fact will question the validity <coughs> of the magical goods without the exchange, who will actually feel that the magical goods and services are not of a superior quality if they're handed out free. And those people also believe in jinxes. Those people also believe that there's appropriate times for hot-footing people, compelling people, dominating people, and yes, even killing people. So we might as well get rid of all those people too. And how odd and strange and convenient that most, not all, of those people are African Americans. So now we have a nice, neat, clean hoodoo that has no African-Americans in it, no jinxing, no cursing, no goofering, no hot-putting, no compelling, no dominating, certainly no killing tricks. Probably has highly altered love for and nobody's taking any money. Well, that sounds a lot to me like many, not all, of the Wiccans I've met. But I am not here as a Wiccan, nor am I calling them out alone. There are many different stripes of people who want to alter food. But I want to go one further. I want to cause some real trouble now. I'm ready. I have been involved in the past with what would generally be called the neo-pagan community. Now, lots of people inside any community don't like any kind of name. They say, well, no, we don't like that name. I understand that there are, there are names that are used for my community that I don't necessarily like. And there are, of course, groupings that the umbrella shouldn't be cast over those people. So forgive me that I use that term. It's just the broadest term I know to use. I have been involved with the neo-paying community in the past for many decades. And I have to say that it is only now, in the modern time period, in the past 10, 15, maybe a bit further years, that I have started to see 
active involvement, and again, I'm not talking about the exceptions, I'm talking about the rule. It is only now that I am starting to see in that time frame the involvement of African Americans in a welcoming manner. That's the key sentence in a welcoming manner inside neo pagan circles inside the neo-pagan community. And we still have problems with it. There were problems this year at PantheaCon in relationship to this. It is only here in this latter part of my life that I have seen hoodoo and conjure welcome inside neo-pagan communities, circles, and groups. And there's still a lot of puff and puff and brusque and struggle about that. Because it's not welcome. Neo-paganism is inherently racist. No, I didn't say that. Don't put words in my mouth. I did not say that. Have I said or suggested that there have been issues of race involved? Yes, of course. Welcome to America. There are issues of race involved in pretty much every goddamn component of our goddamn day. And if you don't like that, you need to wake the fuck up. Sorry. I'm not saying everybody's racist. I'm saying race continues to be an issue. The same way in Great Britain, class continues to be an issue, as well as race. And so now this then comes into our community. This now comes in. And people bring what they want to bring in. And if they were to keep it to themselves, and I don't mean keep it to themselves as in sit down, shut up. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it is your choice. It is your practice. It is what you are doing. It is based off of your beliefs centered around your spirituality, that would be fine. But instead, what they want to do is they want to change the framework and the structure of who. And that ends up in a terrible place. That ends up robbing us all of heritage, of fact, of history, of understanding. So, what do I have to say to you? I have to say to you this. If you are lady-hearted, be lady-hearted. I commend you. If you're not lady-hearted, don't be lady-hearted. I commend you. I'm not saying do without will, and, you know, as some people interpret that, meaning it's some sort of free and easy, do whatever the hell you please, which, by the way, I'm not sure that's exactly what that means either. But I'm not saying that. I'm not saying just run out and do whatever you fucking want. I'm saying if you make a choice for yourself, whatever your path is, whatever your limits are, I know people that won't do killing tricks for anyone but themselves. They won't do it on the behests of others. I know people that will. I know people that won't do any at all, etc., etc., etc. If that is your choice, then I say to you, live your choice, follow your spirituality, 
do what you will and what you believe is appropriate. But when you take your personal choice that is outside of the normative framework of hoodoo and conjure and root work and try to alter the whole to fit your means. When you want to alter everybody, when you want to talk down and pass on misinformation and lie or cajole or scowl or bully others, then you are no longer a friend of the practice. You are no longer a friend of the culture. You are no longer a friend of its history. You are no longer a friend of what it is. You're just another kind of colonialist. You're just another kind of colonizer. You're just another kind of colonizer here to alter things, to change things, to suit your beliefs. Until up is down and left is right and forward is back and the history never happened and we can all go on whatever around and around and around and around and around and around and around until it's just one big crazy spinning wheel. Spinning wheel spin. You got no money and you, you got no home. Spinning wheel all alone. Talking about your troubles and you, you never learn. Ride a painted pony, let the spinning wheel turn. Did you find the directing sign on the straight end?
was, of course, Blood, Sweat, and Tears with Spinning Wheel of good old David Clayton Thomas. And, you know, they were just trying in their own little way to send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe. Bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Manali, Sunday, 3 to 4.30, Candelo's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa, Monday, 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesday, 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesday, 6 to 7, Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Wednesday, 5 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30, and On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand. Saturdays, noon to 3. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead. That, of course, is Troll Towelhead, our chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, who I suspect is going to be quite busy uh, adjusting... Uh, everybody's favorite show, our vanguard show here on the LMC Radio Network, the Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, to high fidelity. So he's going to have his hands full. We all have our hands full, which is, again, the reason Johnny and I are out here uh, at the actual radio repeater tonight. And you may be hearing all sorts of sounds in the background of machinery and other sorts of things going on. We have a single hot mic, he said, staring at Johnny. A single hot mic, and so that we're just doing this as old style as it can be done. But that being said, let me turn the mic over to our one, our only Johnny. Johnny, take it away. Hey, thank you for. 
This is Johnny talking to you on behalf of the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6 Street Street 2 Covey Road, Forestville, California. You know, Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit. I've been there. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magical spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Why not drop on by and see them at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Bring the kids. They'll love to see the train set. I know I did, and it's being expanded right now by the incredible Mr. Daniel Smith. And after you've had fun looking at the trains, why not go over to the world's smallest church, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, and take a few moments of quiet prayer and meditation before going on into the store to browse the aisles and see thousands upon thousands of different products that they're making by hand right now. Right now, they're outside making powders and bath crystals, folks. So once again, that's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. But if you can't get there, don't be sad because you can visit them online at luckymojo.com and spend hours in your comfort of your own home looking at their fabulous online catalog. So that's again the Lucky Mojo Curio Company. Tell them Johnny sent you. Back to you, Professor. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Johnny has, you know, been waiting to have his moment back on. Up next, a little segment I like to call That's right, and tonight in High Fidelity. The Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the church. That's right, the church. Not the church bells blues. Shawl, I brought your mom, got a brain shoes and all. 
Yes, folks, that was Luke Jordan with Church Bell Blues uh, from quite a ways back. You can tell because you can hear the campfire in it as they record it. <clears throat> no, it's not actually a campfire, folks. It's, it, the record's old. Tonight on The Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, we're going to talk about the church. We've talked a little bit about scripture and we've talked about the psalms which of course a part of scripture we've talked about using different parts of it we've talked about prayer papers we've talked about all sorts of things now let's talk about something a little different but yet a core to what we're talking about let's talk about the church itself Jesus says, wherever two or more of my followers gather in the wilderness, there is my church. And when he says this, he is not speaking out of turn or in a new way or talking about some sort of new idea. Christianity, which of course descended out of Judaism, has this concept of a gathering together of people in a place, which Judaism does as well and the normative belief in judaism is that it is appropriate for people to gather together to pray to say daily prayers to hold service together and this of course is strongly a part of christianity as well certainly Catholicism, and then to a lesser extent Protestantism, because Protestantism has as part of its core tenets that one only needs the Bible to have a personal relationship with God and does not need an intermediate, and therefore does not necessarily mean 
that they need a church. But the church itself holds power. And we see this in root work and conjure and its similar families and associates with certain things. So one of those things is the collection of dirt from a churchyard. And there are a variety of practices. You may be told to gather dirt from the churchyard. You may be told to gather dirt from the corner of the church. You may be told to gather it from the east side, where the, as the, where the sun comes up, and as the sun comes up, or from the west side, and as the sun goes down, or where the sun goes down. You may be told to gather it from the north. You may be told, which would indicate that they were probably having some admixture of Native American practice. You may be told to gather it from the south. You may be told to gather it from the steps, from the porch, from even inside, dust from inside the church. And then this dust or dirt is put into a variety of practices. Some use it for protection, some use it for blessing, but I will tell you that I know of at least one case where the dirt from a churchyard is used for justified curse work. So there is a variety of uses for this, but the dirt of a church or a churchyard is one example of how the church itself has a talismanic force. It is a holy place. It is on holy ground. Churches must be deconsecrated before they are sold or torn down. And so it is a separate place. It is a separate place, just like the crossroads, just like the graveyard. It is a place unto itself, just as the home is a place unto itself. And within the church, certainly within Catholicism, this is the source of holy water. And within those types of churches, within those denominations that engage in baptism, you will often find a baptismal font within a church, and of course, that water can be gathered as well. We also see bits of work that are akin to Catholic petitions, where one makes a petition at a church before the statue of a blessed or yet individual before the Holy Mother, or before the cross, or before a saint statue, but we see this as well in Protestant use in Hoodoo uh, and root work and conjure about leaving a petition inside a hymnal or under the seat in a church in the pew. We see uh, money being given in kind into the plate to receive money back. And we are taught that you can give certain denominations of bills in certain orders. We see that if you do this, then that money will return to you and bless you. We see the idea that one must tithe to the church to have prosperity. And so the church becomes a central figure. Again, like the graveyard, like the crossroads. And I will go further to say this. You must remember that many churches in the past 
the graveyard abutted the church. The graveyard was just outside the church or behind the church so that it could be cared for by its caretaker, which were often members of the church, if not even the pastor and his family themselves. And furthermore, if you go and you do your research, you will find that in the early days, a number of churches, it was a fashion at one point in time, were built at the corner of a crossroad. Now, am I telling you that the church was built at the corner of a crossroad for some good reason? No, I'm not saying that. I am saying that the church was built on one of the corner lots of a crossroad because crossroads are major thoroughfares, which have a lot of traffic, and so it's a good place to build a church. It's a good place to build a store. It's a good place nowadays to have a gas station. Okay? But... That still means that the crossroads was right outside of the church. In fact, there are even works that say if you want to meet the devil, to or the, the quote-unquote devil, to make that old-time deal with him, that you don't go to a crossroads, but you actually go to a churchyard. Now, those are much rare, very, very rare, but you still see it. And the point is that the church is a central place in the community. The church is a very important place. It's a place of fellowship. That word means something that we've lost. A place of fellowship, a place of community, a place for the troubled, a place for the endangered. This is the reason that the burning of churches of any stripe, Mosques, synagogues, Catholic churches, Protestant churches is such is so anathema, is such a terrible act because these are often the heart or were the heart of their community. Where people gathered together, where people spoke to each other. And there's that great joke that in the black church you go in at 9 a.m. and you're out well, around 9 p.m. because so much goes on there that is about the community. Fellowship reach out. They talk about what we're going to do, the building of, we're going to gather money to build, we're going to do this, there's testimonials, we talk about our old age program, we talk about our, our, our young people program, outreach program for younger people, we talk about our daycare, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Okay? So a church is centric to a community, and therefore it has an important place in Hoodoo and Conjure. It becomes a place to enter into. There's even a belief that one can shake off a jinx just by going into a church. You see this also in ancient Judaic belief, that if one goes into a synagogue and the doors are barred behind one, any evil spiritual influence on one is cast off. There's the gathering of the dirt of a churchyard, gathering of dirt from the corners of a churchyard. Some people tell you to gather the dirt of a number of churches, four churches, seven churches. So the church itself has this importance, not just talismanically because it is a holy place, but also because of its center in its community and its relationship to those who come and worship and express prayer within it. So I would like you this week to consider the church. Up next, 
We're going to go into, well, hopefully you don't have these into your kitchen, but it, you know, if you do, you might want to put them on a shelf. But we're going to go into the kitchen where we're going to be talking about needles and pins. was The Searchers. That's right, folks. The Searchers with needles and pins. I'm afraid no one got our name it and claim it this week, but that was it. The Searchers with needles and pins, and that leads us into our In the Kitchen segment this evening. And again, I hope you don't have needles and pins in your... Uh, in your kitchen, but if you do, you know, put them someplace safe. You don't want those ending up in the muffin. Needles and pins, and we see needles and pins being used in hoodoo quite a bit. Needles, like pins and nails, are used to carve names on candles for all kinds of work. They're also employed to prick baby dolls to symbolize the causing of pain to an individual effigy by the doll. Nine needles are commonly named ingredient in a hurtful bottle spell. And you often hear of people calling for the need for a gold eye needle, uh, which refers to the highest grade of sewing needle in which the eye end is gold plated. The needle also, particularly the eye of the needle, 
also relates back to many different components uh, in Judaism, in Christianity, and in Islam, uh, where we have the saying, uh, they do not show a man a palm tree of gold, nor an elephant going through the eye of a needle. Or uh, in the Song of Songs, the Holy One said, open for me a door as big as a needle's eye, and I will open for you a door through which may enter tents and camels. Or in Christianity, we have Jesus saying, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And in the Quran, we hear, to those who reject our signs and treat them with arrogance, no opening will there be of the gates of heaven, nor will they enter the garden until the camel can pass through the eye of the needle. Such is our reward for those in sin. And there is a suggestion that the eye of the needle is another statement, is another name for the gate in Jerusalem, which opened after the main gate was closed at night. And a camel could only pass through the smaller gate if it was stooped and had its baggage removed. So needles are an important, important part of things. As to a gold-eyed needle, now this again is the highest grade of a needle, and you'll often see this called upon. You need a gold-eyed needle because they are so finely made, because they are a little more expensive, and the gold has a meaning there as well. I will also say that there is a belief that if one is using a needle in action against someone else, such as in a baby doll or in a bottle spell, etc., and one wishes to disguise or hide one's work before one begins that work, you will break the eye of the needle, thus rendering others incapable of seeing the work. You see, you put out the eye, as it were. As far as pins go, pins are also used to carve names on candles, to pin things together, or to stab things. Now, one way you can do a pin is to rule your lover. To do this, you buy a small bottle of Hoyt's cologne and replace the cap with a cork stopper, through which you have driven nine, and there we see nine again, nine pins, all the way down, so they contact the cologne. Next, cut a small piece from your lover's clothes and push it to the bottom of the bottle. After that, get some of your lover's fingernails and toenails, which you can do by asking them to trim them or watching carefully when they are being trimmed and finding any that jump or fall away, and add those to the bottle as well. You now have personal concerns in there. The next three concerns to add are hairs from three places on your lover's body, head hair, body or armpit hair, and pubic hair. 
finally, because there are nine pins in the cork, you need three more personal concerns to make nine, namely fluids, such as urine, spit, semen, menstrual blood, or vaginal fluid. But don't get your own fluids mixed up with their fluids. Once you have exactly nine items in the bottle, three solids, three hairs, and three fluids, top it up again with fresh Hoyt's cologne if the pins are no longer touching the liquid, and then seal it with wax from a burning red candle dressed with commanding oil. And when you want to exercise control over your lover, talk to the bottle saying, now so-and-so, using the name of your lover, do what I say and come under my command and turn the bottle gently upside down and right side up a few times as you do so. The pain caused by the nine pins coming into contact with the person cause your lover to obey your commands. This is just one use of pins and needles, as we have seen. And there are many, many more. I have to tell you that for myself, I buy pins in a little case. I buy them at 500 at a go. And they come in nowadays, unfortunately, they come in a little plastic box with a little snap lid, and you, you keep them that way. I go through pins so fast. You can also mark off a candle with pins. Some people say, well, how do I get a seven-knob candle? Well, you don't necessarily need a seven-knob candle. I can't find, I can't find a seven-knob green candle. Okay, you just can't find one. All right, you can take a regular seven, oh, excuse me, a regular green candle and mark it off in seven segments. And you could do that by drawing lines to mark it so you have seven different segments and burn down to that line of course you would mark it off again use a pin or a needle or you can place pins in it to mark it off to seven segments but you don't put it in very far you see you just put it in so that as the candle segment burns away and it reaches that point the pin will fall now, if you have that candle sitting on a metal pan, as an example, or something else that will reverberate or make a noise of metal upon metal, etc., you'll hear the pin drop. And how often have we have heard that phrase? You'll hear the pin drop. And then you know, ah, it's burnt down. You go, you snuff your candle out, and the next day you burn your next segment. You can also get with Many, many pins. You take a black candle and place a hundred pins into it to cause pain and distress. But it is not just pain and distress. You can also pin things together. You could also use safety pins to signify that you wish something locked together. Our own Miss Catherine Ironwood contributed an excellent spell to a deck of spells, the book that was I published recently and it uses a safety pin in a love spell, you see, because that safety pin locks. So you lock the two people together, so their love stays together. So needles and pins are a, you know, a, a very normal, regular part of voodoo.
And I suggest that you spend this week looking in to needles and pins. And our information from the In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but also from the book, Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American conjured by Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her for its use and inclusion here each and every week. Well, folks, we have had ourselves a grand time in high fidelity, 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 fidelity. And soon it is our hope that you will be hearing much, much more of the LMC radio network in high fidelity. But I'm afraid now my high fidelity must end because, well, this is it. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Texas, and go to Texarkana, and don't back to Fulwood. Come on down to Dallas, King Kong Kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City, and Kansas City, St. Louis, and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way, but I'm doing well. Pass on. 